0: In this episode, we talk about how you can deal with social anxiety. Get excited because this is Tiny Leaps Big Changes. Big changes. Welcome to another episode of Tiny Leaps. Big Changes, where I share simple strategies you can use to get more out of your life. My name is Greg Clunas, and in this episode, we're talking about social anxiety and what to do when you struggle with it, how to beat it, how to get past this thing in your life that is holding you back and holding you from meeting the people that could change your life. So I'm super excited to jump into this one and how we're going to be doing this So there are two articles I'm referencing. Both are from psychcentral.com. Now, as always, I'm going to link to these articles in the description of this episode. So don't worry about that. But I'm going to be referencing both of them. And I highly recommend that you check them out. The first is titled Six Ways to Overcome Social Anxiety. And then the second is sort of a deep dive into deep breathing and how that helps us in situations when we are feeling Anxious. So I've pulled out three different tips, three things that you can do today. The next time you feel that anxiety coming on in a social situation, when you are out and you are with a bunch of friends and there's a bunch of new people or it's a big group or whatever your trigger is, the next time you feel it, you can try some of these tips and they should help. So I'm super excited for that. Now, the first one, the first big thing you should try to do when trying to manage your social anxiety is to practice deep breathing. Now, we've talked on this show about the power of breath and how even just getting more oxygen into your system can help calm you down deep breathing can be helpful for pretty much everything in your life, right? So whether it's stress or anxiety or uh, just needing to relax and and get ready for bed, like there's so many things that taking deep breaths can help us through, even so much as productivity and, and being able to focus more. But when it comes to social anxiety, it's especially valuable. And I want to read for you. There's two pieces to this. Uh, The first is the original article, and I'm just going to read sort of what they write on the topic. And then the second, we're going to dive deeper into the benefits of abdominal breathing. So quote, it's helpful to engage in deep breathing before an anxiety provoking social situation week said, but practice this technique every day. This way it becomes second nature and you don't hyper-focus on deep breathing and miss an entire conversation. Now, The idea here is pretty simple. You should be practicing deep breath, deep breathing every single day so that you can get good at it and used to it and you know how to do it and be effective for yourself. Right. Because when you're in a social situation, if you start focusing on your breathing and you're focusing on the inhale, the exhale. You're going to be going internal. You're going to be uh, shutting out the actual conversation or the environment that you're actually in and missing it, which is not really the point, right? We want to manage our social anxiety, not hide from it. And so it's not about in that moment going internal and like focusing on yourself and your body and and this breathing activity. It's about putting yourself in a situation where you can engage, where you can be comfortable in that environment. And this is why practicing it every single day matters, because practicing every day isn't going to, to change anything necessarily. What it does do is when you are doing it, when you're in that situation and you start doing your deep breathing routine You don't have to think about it as much. You don't have to focus on it as much and go internal and stress about doing it properly and like all of those things as much. Not to mention, you'll know what is effective, how long to hold your breath, how long to inhale, how long to exhale. You'll have all of those things figured out because you've practiced it. And I I keep emphasizing that word because so much of this, so much of changing your life and improving your specific situation is about practice. It's about gaining the muscle memory to be able to do that thing. And so it's the same with deep breathing. If we want to be able to perform in a situation that is anxiety inducing and still get the benefit of that situation, We need to practice deep breathing every single day so that when we're in that situation, it's not as difficult for us to utilize that technique. Now, one thing that uh, they talk about in the article is the benefits of abdominal breathing. So I pulled a second article and I just want to read to you the exact quote from their section titled the benefits of abdominal, excuse me, breathing. So here we go. Abdominal breathing is also known as diaphragmatic breathing. The diaphragm is a large muscle located between the chest and the abdomen. When it contracts, it is forced downward, causing the abdomen to expand. This causes a negative pressure within the chest, forcing air into the lungs. The negative pressure also pulls blood into the chest, improving the venous return to the heart. This leads to improved stamina in both disease and athletic activity. Like blood, the flow of lymph, which is rich in immune cells, is also improved. By expanding the lungs' air pockets and improving the flow of blood and lymph, abdominal breathing also helps prevent infection of the lung and other tissues. But most of all, it is an excellent tool to stimulate the relaxation response that results in less tension and an overall sense of well-being so there you have it deep breathing and when I say deep breathing I mean belly breaths like inhaling so that your stomach expands like that's how you breathe with your abdomen doing that alone can help you in a situation where you are feeling anxious where you are struggling to be a part of the group But you need to practice it every day so that you aren't focusing on it. And let's not forget, it has all of these other benefits, improves stamina, improves your blood flow, improves the flow of lymph, helps protect the lung and other tissues in your body. So there's really no reason not to practice this every day because it's going to benefit you in a lot of other ways as well. Now, when we get back, we're going to jump into the next two pieces of advice for when you are feeling anxious in a social situation. Stick with us. So before we jump back into the episode, let me tell you about the most useful app on my phone. We all know that it's hard to find the time to sit down and to read and learn more and just sort of absorb all of the knowledge that is out there, right? There's so much knowledge, so much content, so much for us to learn and implement in our lives. And when you don't have free time, you can't read or work on your personal development, which is a massive setback, one that I know all too well. Well, there is an incredible app that solves this problem, and I highly recommend it. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser. Basically, they take the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. Now there's a couple books that have sort of been on my to read list for uh, months, maybe even years at this point, And I just haven't been able to find the time. But with Blinkist, I finally do have the ability to read them. And so on my to read list right now, the next two books that I'll be reading is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. You might have uh, heard about it. It's massive, massive bestseller. And then the second one is 13 Things Mentally Strong People Don't Do. This is by Amy Morin or Moran. I'm super excited to read that one as well. Thanks to Blinkist. With Blinkist, you get unlimited access to read or listen to a massive library of condensed nonfiction books. All the books you want and all for one low price. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for Tiny Leaps listeners. Go to Blinkist.com slash Tiny Leaps to try it free for seven days and you get to save 25% off your new subscription once you sign up, that's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T Blinkist.com slash tiny leaps to start your free seven day trial. And also, if you decide to sign up, you get to save 25% off, but only when you sign up at Blinkist.com slash tiny leaps. And we are back. Now the next thing, the next thing you can try to help with social anxiety, and this is more of a long-term strategy, right? This isn't a tactic. This is a strategy for helping you fix this problem once and for all. Now there is a concept called an exposure hierarchy. And essentially what this is, and I'm going to read the quote for you here in a second, but what this is, is a, think of it like a ladder, right? Where you've got on the bottom This is like the easiest thing you can do, the easiest situation you could find yourself in. That would be a little bit of a challenge, like a tiny little challenge, baby challenge. Right. And then as you go up the ladder, it's increased exposure to that thing. So it's almost like exposure therapy, but you're using this hierarchy to help you uh, approach it in a structured way. Now, I'm going to read the quote here from the article because I think it's really, really valuable, but I might jump around a little bit. So make sure you click the link in the description to read the full uh, full information on exposure hierarchies. Quote, an exposure hierarchy is a list akin to a ladder where you write down situations that cause you anxiety in order of severity. Then you perform the easiest behavior and keep moving up the list. To create your own hierarchy, list 10 anxiety-provoking situations and rate them on a 100-point scale, zero being no anxiety, 100 being severe anxiety. Your list might start with asking a stranger for directions and end with joining Toastmasters. Now, that's the end of the quote. The only thing that I would recommend different here, and it's not even really um, different or better necessarily. It's it's just a a, a slightly altered way of looking at it. I would rate them on a scale of one to ten. And the rule is you cannot rate something a seven. Now, the reason I do this is because if you only have one through six and eight through 10, it helps you very clearly categorize where this thing should be, right? If you got a 60% in school or an 80% in school, that's two totally different places, but a 70%, that's the middle. That's the thing that makes you feel like, okay, this was fine. Right. So we remove seven as an option. You can rate them from one to 10 and then you make that order from least to highest and you just go down the list one by one by one. And this type of thing works incredibly well because of the tiny leaps philosophy, because it's about small change over time that becomes easier to maintain. And that's really what we need to be uh, approaching when we're trying to change things like an internalized reaction to social situations. Now, the third piece of advice, and again, all of these are from the article on psychcentral.com. So check out the link in the description. Uh, the, the last thing is to create objective goals. And I'm just going to read directly from the article here. Uh, quote, people tend to disqualify the positive when they feel anxious. They might do well, even great, but because of their anxious feelings, they see their performance as abysmal. That's why therapists encourage clients to create objective behavioral goals. These are behaviors that anyone in the room would be able to observe. It doesn't matter how you feel or whether you're blushing or sweating, which you can't control anyway, in a social situation. For instance, if you're working in a group setting, the objective behavior would be to make three comments. This also gives you a good parameter for judging your progress. Again, you're not focusing on whether you felt nervous, rather you're focusing on whether you performed the actual behavior end quote. So this reminds me of uh, something we talked about in a recent episode where we're just shifting the way we set goals, right? It's less about here's this outcome that we're trying to gain and more about what is the process to get there? What is the actual activity I can do And did I do that activity or not? Right. It becomes a binary situation, something that is objective. You can tell whether or not you did it and you don't have to worry about the emotional side of it. And I think this is a phenomenal piece of advice if you're struggling with social anxiety, because you might misremember how you did. You might misremember what you were feeling in that situation right? You, you were in this group and it was probably fine to everybody in the group. It was fine. No one really noticed anything, but in your mind, oh, you said this dumb thing and you laughed weird and you burped that, that one point and all of these things just flood through your head. Right. And then you start to micro analyze every single thing that you did or didn't do or said or didn't say. And all of a sudden the entire engagement was terrible, even if it was totally fine. By focusing instead of that on, on, on all the stuff that you think you did wrong, focusing on things like, did I say this thing, right? Did I ask these questions? Did I do X, Y, Z? And it, it seems very analytical. It feels very like surgical and, and um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it feels very like sterile, right? We're taking social Engagement, social situations, and essentially making it a to do list. But, and you're going to have to stick with me here, I think it's the right way in the beginning. Because when you can remove the emotion from something and just make it a binary thing, yes or no, it becomes easier to actually do it. Every time you do it, you get better at doing it. You get more confident in yourself. You get, uh, you get all the stuff from it that you need to get from it. And what that does for you is eventually you feel comfortable in that situation and it's no longer a problem and you don't need the to-do list. You don't need the, the sterile approach to it. So while we are not computers, it can sometimes be a good thing to act like a computer in order to get past the emotional stuff that we and our brains add to situations. So again, I highly recommend you check out the full article. Just to quick recap, uh, three things you can do to help you with your social anxiety. Number one is practice deep breathing daily so that you can get good at it and can utilize it in a situation without checking out of the situation. Uh, Number two is to create an exposure hierarchy. This is just a list of things that get increasingly harder and harder to do, but you start easy and you just go through it. And then number three is to create objective goals. Things like, did you make the comments? Did you ask these questions? Did you do these social things? And that seems a little sterile. It seems a little, uh, unromantic in a lot of uh, ways, but it does help you to get started and get past that emotional hump that you might be feeling. So I hope this has been helpful. Check out the full articles in the description of this episode. And listen, if you haven't already, be sure to click subscribe to the podcast. That's the best way to make sure you never miss a new episode. I've been Greg Cloonis. Thank you so much for tuning in. And remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take.